Welcome to The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at starting and growing a consumer packaged goods business. I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. I'm a New York City area-based consultant, and I've advised and had key roles in not only my own brands, but with dozens of others as well. My main objective is to help you avoid the many mistakes I've made or been witness to in my 10-plus years as an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. This is The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, and I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. Okay, so we're coming to the home stretch of our Raising Money series for the podcast. So I hope if you were listening for the first time, you go back and at least listen to episodes five and six, which were the first two podcasts I did on raising money for your startup. My goal in this series of podcasts was to give you a crash course, a quick and dirty guide to raising money for your business, if you've never done that before. In episode five, we covered the kinds of capital that can be raised and from whom, and in episode six, we covered the types of financing instruments and how to ask friends and family for money, which is never easy. Still, to this day, it is not easy. It's a little easier because I have a good track record, but not easy like eating pizza, you know? In this episode, we're going to talk about what you should be prepared to show investors. More specifically, what should be in your deck, how to start a data room, and what should be in that data room, even if you don't have a ton of assets to share. After that, I'll talk a little bit about what it's like to raise money and if you are actually even ready to deal with investors in your everyday life. Because believe it or not, there are some founders out there who simply see investors as a huge burden. So let's get started. Having a deck for investors can be super intimidating. The first time I was engaged in this process, I sort of shut down. I didn't understand it, and quite frankly, I was pretty scared. It seemed like a huge task, and I was really lucky that I had a partner who seemed completely unfazed by it. So what needs to be in that thing? I'm going to tell you right now. So either get out a pen and paper or, because my team is so great, download the PDF on putting together your first fundraising deck on the heatherkterry.com website. I think the second one is easier. (laughs) On the PDF, there will be some aesthetic things like title page, etc. But I'm just going to jump into the actual meat of this thing. First, you need to state your purpose. This is your purpose slash mission as a business, and it should ideally be one very clear sentence and no more than five sentences. Next, what is the customer problem? Again, this shouldn't be long, but it should highlight the customer pain point in a simple and clear way that anyone can understand, and you should also speak to how the customer is dealing with that pain point right now, and that should feel pretty uninspiring. After that, you'll want to talk about your product or the solution. How does your product make the customer's life way easier? Again, simple and clear and short, 
But also note that it should elicit some excitement when someone thinks of what a great solution that it is. Next, you'll want to highlight why now is the time to introduce your product as a solution. What has the history in your category been? Let's use an example here. When I was VP of sales for SW Basics, a natural skincare brand, I used to highlight how clean beauty was really taking off. It was all the rage, and it still is. But how SW Basics was 100% the best option because of the company's commitment to five ingredients or less. We, quite simply, were doing it better than anyone else, and absolutely zero ingredients were questionable in the ingredient deck. I would also highlight how SW was crystal clear to the consumer, whereas a lot of other beauty brands used ingredients that were still confusing and questionable. We made it easier for curious consumers to take the leap to natural. It made them think, and they immediately understood the value proposition of the brand, and it got them excited. And when all of those words didn't work, I just compared SW Basics to being the RX bar of beauty, and that demonstrated the point beautifully. The next thing you'll want to talk about are your customer personas. If you don't know what that is, go listen to episode four, or who you are selling to, and if you have any data on their purchasing habits. Data is everything to me, and I will delve into that as a whole podcast episode episode at some point. Next, you'll want to discuss your competitors. I find that a chart stacking you against your competition is really helpful here because you can see what your brand has that the others don't. Again, there is an example of this in the PDF on the heatherkterry.com website. You're welcome. Just copy it. It's a very, very effective tool that I've been using to raise money and put into sales presentations for years. (laughs) Now, it's time to highlight your products. Create a few pages that talk about their attributes and include photos so that anyone can use it as a rough guide for information per SKU or product. The pictures should be beautiful. Make them want the product. And finally, you'll want to include your business model or strategy for using the money, a page on who your team is, and financials. Now, you don't have to include your whole PL. A snapshot will do, but you'll want to put more robust financials into your data room, which we'll talk about next. Also, just a really quick note there are some similarities and differences between an investment deck and a sales deck, which is a topic for another day, but I will do a podcast on that soon. Think of this pitch deck like your calling card, it should get investors interested and excited. Never lie. Don't say your product has attributes that you can't stand behind or that could get you in trouble when you go to market. Don't doctor your numbers. Investors will find out in due diligence. You will look a fool and develop a bad reputation, and no one wants that. Also, and this is another side note, don't apologize. Your numbers are your numbers. Your growth is your growth. Be proud of what you've accomplished, and if an investor can't see the value, move on. You will find someone who does. In addition to that, don't complain about how no one will give you money to other investors. It comes off unprofessional and whiny, and it undercuts everything you created and any enthusiasm someone may have had for your brand. Okay, next step. 
Let's build a data room. Woo! <laughs> a data room is where all your important documents live so investors can look through them and then come back to ask you questions. I've seen all kinds of things in data rooms, but what you should already be prepared with on day one is the following list. And again, we have this in a downloadable PDF on the heatherkterry.com website on the podcast page under episode seven. Another side note, because this episode is filled with side notes apparently, get a non-disclosure agreement in place before allowing access to a data room. Please, 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 let's all sleep at night, okay? Okay, so this is what should be included in the data room. Your deck that we just talked about, your financials in more robust form. So there you would include your full PL, your balance sheet, and any financial modeling slash forecasting you've done or have had done for you, manufacturing contracts, broker agreements, any other debt you have in detail. So things like convertible notes, loans, et cetera. Any other contracts you have, things like partnerships, influencers, affiliates at all. Uh, Any PR you've got. Investors like to see PR. They like to see who's talking about you. Company paperwork, your articles of incorporation or your LLC um, pages, whatever, whatever, however you've, you know, formed the company. Your trademarks, if you have any, or intellectual property. Your employment agreements. So this is just a pretty basic list, and there may be other things particular investors ask for. This is where I'd start for anyone, even when doing your friends and family round. It shows a lot of professionalism, and guess what? When it comes time to do that first seed round, you've already got basically everything organized. It will be a much easier and faster process, believe me. And when someone asks for more, you can just download it right to the data room. For startups, I've mainly hosted these on Dropbox, where you can send an invite to an investor to go view the materials. Very easy. But again, make sure you've got that non-disclosure agreement so no one can just show your information around to anyone. Okay, so this is the tough part of the conversation. So get ready to hear a few things you might not like, and also dig deep in your soul. (laughs) before making a decision on how to move forward in your business. I often find most founders quite humorous when they raise money for the first time, and I certainly was one of those founders as well. They believe, like I did, that everyone should just see how great what they've created is. They don't believe they should actually have to really work for any of that money. Someone should just see it and know and give them money. Easy, right? No one under any circumstances is obligated in any way to give you anything. You have to work to convince them that this is a good investment because startups are risky business. You have to inspire them to believe you are the right person for the job. It is a difficult task and it might leave you a little angry and a little scared. Being an investor myself, I also know how excited I can get about a company. Sometimes I'm really feeling a concept or product, and then I look under the hood, or I speak with other investors I really respect, and suddenly the best idea ever looks terrible. You have to remember that investors of almost any size 
take your mom out of the equation, though I will say my mother has actually asked me for projections, are they're all, all of these investors are going to ask to see a lot. Some of them will be very enthusiastic and you will think you've got them. You will think you've made the deal and then they go silent. (laughs) Please, please, please do not exhaust yourself by getting so excited with every single investor who comes your way. If you get excited by every single one of them and start to fantasize about everyone who expresses interest, you might fall into a deep depression because nine times out of 10, that person or group does not end up investing. It is such an emotional and physical waste. It's such a big time suck. You know, yes is never yes until the ink on the paperwork has dried. Let me repeat that. Yes is never yes until the ink on the paperwork has dried. I have seen so many deals fall apart in the 11th hour. Don't be an entrepreneur who puts all their eggs in one basket. Have many, many irons in the fire. Dealing with investors is a lot like dealing with sales. When I deal with a client on a sales pipeline, I ask them what stores they'd ideally like to be in. Now, Some of these stores won't pan out or it will be past the review period for the year, so they won't be attainable. It's the same with investing. You have to be speaking to a lot of different people at the same time. So build out as robust a pipeline as you can. Ask around, go to events, meet a lot of people. Take as many meetings as you can. Some people are investing right now, others aren't. Irons in the fire. This is a good time to talk about how much time it is going to take you to raise money. I have often heard entrepreneurs talk about raising money as if it were another full-time job. And I can tell you from experience, they are right. Depending on the type of capital you are raising, it can be a little more or a little less, but it all takes a lot of time. There are required documents, products to send out, presentations to be made. There are coffee, dinner, and lunch dates. There are extra materials, numbers, and scenarios that any one of the individuals or groups you are speaking to need from you to make a decision. In many ways, you are at the mercy of those requests. I have always found it useful to answer right away and give the information in whatever format has been requested. This inspires a lot of confidence that you are showing up and will continue to show up. So what's it like dealing with investors? I've seen many different movies. I see really engaged investors and disengaged investors. For them, it's really how much they want to be involved, and you should always talk about what that involvement is going to look like so no one gets frustrated. The flip side is entrepreneurs who aren't really ready for the responsibility that comes with taking money. When you take money as a business, you have to be ready to be accountable to your investors. Some entrepreneurs are not ready for this. They are not ready for someone else to be questioning their actions and where the money is going. Can I tell you how many times I have seen a plan and then seen the money go toward literally everything else other than what it was planned for? This is not good it will put you on the defense with your invest with your investment team at all times. Investors are not there 
to intentionally make your life harder. But they will want to know what is going on. They will, in some instances, especially as more money goes in, expect things like board seats and voting rights. At the end of the day, they are your partner. And if you are not ready for partnership, or more rightly put, marriage, because it's really like a marriage, don't raise money for your business. Or to my point back in like episode five or some previous episode, I'd said, then just be a small business. Don't be a startup. I spoke about this in the last episode, but at Nibmore, I emailed with my investors every day I was on my honeymoon. And the only reason I didn't speak to them on the phone was because I was in such a remote area. I also picked up the phone three days after childbirth and I was back to work for the people who believed enough in me and the product to put a lot of money into my business. Everything changes the minute you make that financing deal, and you have to be ready for anything. Now, I'm not trying to be all gloom and doom, but can I tell you the number of times I've seen entrepreneurs treat their investors like a burden, where they've disrespected the people who have given them money? Let's get straight here. That will never work out for you. Why? Because as a CPG startup, you will need money every day until you either get bought out or go out of business. So think about whether or not you are ready to have another husband, wife, or partner, because that is what an investor will be. And just like any relationship or marriage, you need to work at it every day on both sides. Again, a lot. I know. Just be ready. Be a ready-to-raise-money nerd. (laughs) The more you go into this with your eyes wide open, the easier it will be. The more prepared you are, the better you look. Would you go on a first date in a t-shirt you had just worked out in? No. You want to be and look your best. It's the same thing in business. Remember, the fifth palette almost killed me always comes out on Tuesday afternoons. To get past and current business templates and tools, go to my website at heatherkterry.com and sign up for our newsletter. If you have an idea or question for the podcast, go over to anchor.com or download the Anchor app where this podcast is hosted. And what's really cool is that you can leave me a voicemail question or idea. It's really neat. Check it out. There are no bad ideas or suggestions, and I want to know what you need. So get over there and let me know. We want to hear from you. Now, get out there and do something to move your business forward, like building an amazing deck. Till next time.